Hi friends, and welcome to The Spirit Scoop with Michelle. Michelle is just your typical grounded Taurus, Canadian loving girl who loves everything spiritual. Michelle is a spiritual medium, a Reiki master, and an angel reader. Get ready each week to dive into Michelle's own lived experiences, spiritual guidance and tips, awesome guests, and lots and lots of spirits, of course. Together, we'll feel inspired. We may learn something new. We'll learn to trust in spirit. And don't be surprised if you have a lot of OMG moments. So now's your time to grab a cup of tea, get comfortable, and we're about to start. Here's your host, Michelle Lindsay. I just want to welcome Elise to the podcast. So Elise is an intuitive, a medium, a grief coach, and has her own podcast. So welcome, Elise. Thank you, Michelle. I'm so happy to be here with you. I was just kind of catching up on Spirit Scoop earlier today and listening to some of your most recent episodes. Yeah, and I loved hearing your story about finding Reiki because I know we have that in common. Yes, exactly. That's where we met. We met in level one and level two, but we never met in person because you're in Nashville and I'm in Vancouver. How was your day? It was fine. I just worked from home today. How was yours? Pretty much the same. Been just looking at astro maps all day. Have you heard of them before? Are you talking about like the, is it called like cartography when you like your birth chart, but like the geological version of it? Right. Yeah. So interesting. interesting. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Were you looking at your own chart? Yeah. So I had like an astrology reading. And ever since like we got off the call, it's like I can't take my eyes off it. Yeah. It's supposed to show you like where you would best thrive in the world if you were living to a certain place. And I actually pulled my my own recently just to look at it because I had never seen what it even looks like before. And all of these points were crossing right through where I live currently. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. A lot of my listeners, they come to me because they're going through grief and they're looking to connect with their loved ones. So I do have a lot of questions regarding grief. So let's just jump in. Um, Yeah, amazing. So yeah, I'm just curious of how did your story start? Because I know you did go through a loss of somebody very important in your life. And then I think everything kind of unfolded from there. Is that correct? Yeah, it's kind of a a lengthy story, but I'll try to keep it brief. I was engaged to a really wonderful man named Jared. Um, In 2020, he was killed by a drunk driver um, in June of 2020. So right smack dab in the middle of the pandemic, you know, the world was kind of shut down at that point. And obviously, if you can put yourself in that situation for just a moment, um, losing your partner is really, really horrific. And I think I was in shock for a really, really long time. It wasn't probably until like three or four months in where it really settled in that he wasn't coming back. Um, And that's when my grief really, really like took hold of me. And I was having a really hard time um, moving through it. I had never lost anyone so close to me before. Like I had lost great grandparents and even one grandparent prior to that, but nothing felt the same as this loss did. It was like towards the end of 2020, I think I was six months in and I kind of knew that I needed to find some help working through this because I was kind of drowning in the grief. I was barely sleeping. I had really bad insomnia. I had anxiety, weight loss, hair loss, all the these horrible things that come along um, with grieving. And 
I remember looking for resources on the internet because as the millennials that we are, I don't actually want to spend the time to go talk to someone in person. I think I can just find all my answers online. So that's what I did. And I found the book Signs by Laura Lynn Jackson. I'm sure you've heard of it. And I share about that book to almost everyone I meet because it's just such an amazing story. But um, I read that book within a couple of days. And then I decided that I wanted to start kind of experimenting and seeing if I can communicate with my loved ones in spirit. So I started asking Jared for signs and they would be delivered. I very quickly after that sought out a medium and I had my first medium reading ever. I don't know that I fully believed in mediums before that. Like I was always curious about them and curious about spirituality in general. Like even when I was a little kid, my sisters and I would love to watch movies that were about like witches or... (laughs) Or uh, I remember we even watched this movie under Pete called Now and Then, where they would have like a seance in the movie, and we would try to do that at home. But like we didn't know what we were doing; we were just little kids. But um, I was always like drawn to that world. And so after that medium reading, my grief really, really started to shift, and I started developing my own relationship with my partner Jared in spirit. And then I kind of felt like I got pieces of him back. I got pieces of myself back. I was starting to feel joy and feeling happy again. Um, And things kind of snowballed from there. Very quickly after that, I got my Reiki level one certification. That's where Michelle and I met, as she mentioned. And then level two and opened my business and decided uh, that I wanted to help others find this same connection that I had found and help others ease their grief. I love that story about just like how you were able to build that connection with your loved one and be able to, you know, help other people when they're going through their grief. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a really, really long journey, but I think I'm finally at the place where I found something that works and I've seen it work time and time again with clients and other people that I have met or people that I know have lost a loved one. And there is something to this. And it's really more about like keeping the conversation with your loved ones going um, and not ending it. It doesn't, you know, your relationship doesn't have to end when they pass on. I always say it's all about like learning a new language with your loved ones. Like they're still, Mm -hmm. it's just that they're, they're not, they don't have a body, they don't have a voice box. So it's all about like, keeping that communication going, but also shifting it and learning how they are communicating with you and how you can communicate with them. I think there's a lot of healing in that because then you don't really feel like they're gone, right? Yeah. And they're not. They're they're around us always, as you know, and as I know, as mediums, like we see it every single day um, as we help others connect with their loved ones. And it's such a beautiful thing to discover. When do people usually come to you or is it usually at the beginning of their grief stage or do you recommend waiting a few months afterwards? So I'll kind of take you back to um, when I first opened my business and I started doing Reiki on clients. um, I found that a lot of the people that were coming to me for Reiki were also moving through their own grief journey. Of course, spirit would bring me those types of people, the ones that I can connect with so deeply. We would spend a lot of time after the Reiki sessions talking through some things that they're going through in their grief. And um, I would tell them my story and tell them about connecting with their loved ones. And I had enough of those conversations that 
I knew that there was something there, like this had to become something or part of my work. This was part of my purpose. And I want to say probably three, four months into my business, like opening my Reiki business, I started doing grief coaching. And I find that more recently, a lot of times the people who are coming to me, they're listening to my podcast, Grief Awakening, and they are kind of in the more beginning stages of their grief journey. I kind of tell people like, you'll know when you need it. I can't tell you when you're ready or when you're not ready. So if you just lost someone a month ago, if you lost someone 10 years ago, you know, this experience could be for you. There's, I feel like there's no reason you should wait to connect with your loved ones in my personal opinion. Yeah. And then do you do these sessions online or in person or both? Yeah. So, um, Formerly, I was doing one-on-one sessions, so I kind of sold grief coaching as a package, and I would meet both virtually, yes, over Zoom and in person here in Nashville, where I live. Now I've kind of reworked that whole program, um, and now I'm selling it as a three-month supportive container. So this is kind of going to be more of a group experience. Um, There's still one-on-ones involved, so one-on-one coaching with me, but there's also group events. There's weekly check-ins. So you have more like con- like consistent access um, and support than just three one-off you know, meetings. Um, so that will be starting September 11th. That will be the first iteration of that. that and that's how it'll go mo- moving forward. Oh, okay. I love that. Um, I want to ask you, like for somebody that's going through grief right now, like the very, very beginning stages, what would you recommend or what would you suggest for them? Yeah. Just from your own personal coaching standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. So to someone who is just in the beginning of this journey, what I would say to them is just to let themselves feel it, not to worry right now about how you're going to get better, how you're going to move forward, um, what the next steps are. Just sit with this emotion that you're in. Because I think what I have found over time is the biggest thing to moving through grief is allowing yourself to feel it. So people say, you know, feel it to heal it. And that really is so true. Um, And so that's kind of the first thing I would say is like, allow yourself just to be present with this emotion. It's okay to be sad because you miss someone that you loved so dearly and they're no longer here. And I know there's people around you right now, probably telling you, these hopeful comments or things that they'll say to just make you kind of feel better, better in the moment. They'll say, Oh, you know, you'll move on or things won't always be this bad. And they're trying to give you hope, but at the same time, like allow yourself just to be in it. And then from there, I think once you've allowed yourself to kind of feel a lot of that, yet you certainly start looking forward and seeing, you know, how do I continue this relationship? What feels good going forward from here? I feel like there's a lot of people that I talk to and it's like they get, they've shared stories with me about being triggered about certain words or certain things that people say to you after losing somebody. And Mm -hmm. I think people, they don't know what to say or they don't know how to comfort the person. So if it's somebody that's close to you and you're their friend or you're their partner and you're in a position where you feel restricted to because you don't want to say the wrong thing or yeah. And you want to give them comfort. Like what is the best way to support somebody that you're close to who's going through grief? Yeah. I feel like that's a million dollar question right there that we should all be asking ourselves. Um, because even before I went through it, I didn't 
I was one of those people. I didn't know what you're supposed to say. Yeah. Um, you know, we say, I'm sorry for your loss and give a card or flowers, um, send the casseroles to their front door. But truly, I think what people need the most is just someone to say, I'm here for you. And that can show up in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Verbally saying that to them, but also just showing up and offering your time, offering to cook a meal for them, offering say, Hey, I'm going to not even say, what can I help you with? But Hey, I want to buy you groceries this week. When can I drop them off? You know, like giving concrete support in a way that doesn't allow the person to have to initiate it. Um, a lot of times, I think when we're in our deep grief like that, it's really hard for us to ask for help. Even though all these people around you are saying, what can I do for you? Let me know if you need anything. You know, that's what everyone is saying to you. Yeah. Um, but it's so hard to actually reach out and say, yeah, I need you. So I think the best thing you can do is simply saying, I'm here for you. And the next level to that would be actually showing up and doing something. It's not necessarily that you feel like obligated to to say things. It's more just doing and being there and su- for the support and being yeah. open and available in case they want to like open up rather than forcing them to talk about it or talk about their feelings because it they might feel like they don't want to open up quite yet or it might take them some time, right? Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of times too, people will say like, oh, um, you know, they just lost someone. I doubt they want to come to this party. But like keep sending out the invitation and eventually it will be responded to you. You might find that someone, you know, who's lost someone, they don't answer your messages right away or they've been a little more distant and that it might be that way for a while, but they still need you and they still, I think, uh, appreciate the olive branch, you know, for people to still show up and offer whether it is, hey, I'm having a party. Do you want to come over or hey, I was just going to watch a movie. Would you like to come over? Or can I come sit with you and watch a movie and just be together? You know, little things like that, um, Mm -hmm. I feel like mean so much. I think that's really great advice for people that are listening who do know somebody who is going through grief. And just knowing that extending the olive branch is something that means so much to that person and probably means more to them than they think, even if they decline. For timeline, it's so hard. I know some people are asking questions about like, how long does this last or how long, you know, until I will feel like I want to get out of the house. And I know that's like, it's, it's different for every single person, I'm sure. For personally, because you've been through it, um, Mm -hmm. how long do you find that it took you or when you started to see a shift where you were able to, you know, um, go back to the things that you love to do or that made you happy or even just leaving the house, that type of type of things? Yeah, I'll say um, in my own personal journey, a lot of the things that I had to do or step back into is more of because I was um, forced to in a way. And like, for instance, I'll just give an example, like with my work, a lot of us, um, after we lose someone, we want to take a little bit of time of work and this is a whole other conversation, but it's pretty standard here in the U S that you get three days of bereavement time. Um, which as we know, as people who have lost someone that is never going to be enough. Um, so for me, one of those things that I had to jump into but wasn't quite ready for is going back to work. And 
luckily I had some vacations time stored up. And so I was able to take a couple weeks off, but even then, like that was something I had to force myself to jump into, but it turned out to be a really good distraction for me. Another thing was I had to move out of my house, my home that I lived in with my partner. Cause I could no longer afford, um, you know, a rent that was made for two people when I was just now one person earning an income. Um, so there was a lot of change right off the bat. Mm-hmm. What I would recommend to people is like, just kind of, it, it is different for everyone. And you just have to like go with the flow and do what feels good for you. Um, things really didn't change for me, as I mentioned, until I read that book, Signs, and I saw a medium. And so we're talking seven, eight months in at that point um, where I was feeling like I was ready to kind of rejoin the world and get and get back into doing things that I love to do or seeing friends. Um, I really kept close to my family unit at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you just want all, I feel like all you want in the beginning is comfort, right? Things that bring you comfort. Um, and so that might be, you might need 10 days to do that. You might need a whole year and that's okay. Yeah. Just taking your time and not rushing it, I think is important. And I think too, it's just, I think people start to feel a little bit of guilt when they start to be happy again, or they start to kind of get back into the things that they they like to do. I find that's very common in your coaching programs. Yeah. I see that in coaching. And I also even see it with my own family members. I have one uh, brother-in-law who one thing that he won't do is sounds so silly, but he won't drink iced coffee anymore. And that's because that's the thing that my partner, Jared, and his brother loved to do together. They would get together, have a hangout, <laughs> drink lots of iced coffee and stay up till late at night, you know, playing games and laughing and having a great time together. Um, and so like he has guilt around even doing that. You know, we carry guilt for random things or it feels weird to feel good. It's like, how can I feel good when my person isn't here anymore and they don't get to enjoy this? So yeah, that that is bound to show up and it's just something that you have to let yourself feel. And also keep in mind that your loved ones are right here doing it with you. They're not missing out on, any, on anything. So hopefully you can allow that gr- uh, that guilt to dissipate and know that they are with you enjoying it also. One of the messages that comes through for me often when I'm doing a mediumship reading is that, you know, spirit or loved ones, they don't want to see us not enjoying the things that we we used to enjoy together. A common message that would come through is that for the iced coffee example, our loved ones, they want us to get back to doing the same things and just think of them and make it like frame it from a different perspective of mm-hmm. like thinking about the good old times, but from not from a sad perspective of just like memories of like how that person made you feel and just remembering the conversations and like the, the ways that you guys would connect with one another and spirit at the end of the day, I feel like they just want to see us happy again and they are with us. So I think too, is like building that connection with them um, also helps you in so many ways and you're in the healing also. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it just takes a little time to get to that place where you're able to have that perspective. You know, it might not be right away. Um, and that's okay. And I think 
it's okay to allow yourself feel however it is showing up for you when you do those things. Um, but know that I think all of us eventually do get to that place of getting back to the things that you used to love and, en- and actually enjoy them and think of your loved ones. I want to ask you about, have you ever had somebody come to you with the loss of an animal? Because I know that that is also like a, a form of grief is just grieving over a past um, animal that you had that strong connection to also. You know, I actually haven't. Um, but that is a conversation I've really been feeling called to have on my podcast, actually, Grief Awakening. Um, because I do feel like our connection to our our pets, our animals, um, our fur babies, I think is just as important as the connection we have with our the humans in our life, um, our family members. So I haven't personally dealt with the experience yet, but I would love to connect and talk to some people who are going through that. And I think that they could be supported just in the same way as, as if they had lost, um, you know, a human loved one. Yeah, I've had actually had animals come through in my mediumship readings and I would be like giving, talking about like, oh, you have a grandmother here. You have an uncle here. And then at the end, I'd be like, okay, there's this little dog that keeps popping in and the just the face just lights up and they're just like so happy. Like, oh my gosh, my little, my little, little guy is with them too. And I think people are often surprised about that or with their loved ones on the other side, but just seeing like somebody's face just light up and change. You can just tell that connection with their loved ones or even with uh, with the animals. I mean, is, is something so strong. Like I have a small dog, so I, I know I'm not going to be okay. Like when he passes, it's, I'm going to yeah. be, in, um, and it's hard because they are, they're our family. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious. How does that come through for you when an animal shows up? Because I've actually never had that happen before. So I'm just curious what it feels like. So it just depends on um, how I'm receiving. So sometimes I will hear a bark. I'll hear barking. Um, Sometimes Mm -hmm. I will feel like there's a dog um, like laying on my feet, like on the ground. And I'm like, okay, there's a, there's a dog here. Or sometimes they will show me them. And then I could see like more of like how big the dog was. Animals actually often come through actually um, for my readings too. And there's been a couple of times where I've connected with animals that are actually still alive. It's like, I feel like they could communicate the same way as like spirit communicates. Yeah, that's so cool. I love that. I, I'm excited for, hopefully for it to happen for me as well um, and see what it feels like. Cause I have a huge connection to animals. I just love them so much. Um as you know, I've been posting a lot of all the animals that visit me at my house. And um, I just, I just love watching them. And they're most animals are so majestic and have such beautiful souls and you can feel it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw your, your Instagram today. You had like two deers outside. Yeah, my dear friends who have been (laughs) my dear friends, pun intended, who have been visiting me. um, (laughs) Almost every day in my yard. I think this is their yard now, actually. Um, Yeah, yeah, it's so fun to watch them. Uh, I was like, oh, I want to go over there. I want to go hang out with the deer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the butterfly house. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, let's just go to a couple of questions that I have from Instagram. Okay, so somebody asked, does grief feel different depending on the individual that passed, a parent versus a child? Mm, that's a really great question 
question. And I'll just tell you from my perspective. Um, so I have never lost a parent, but I've lost a grandparent. And um, I can say, and I think I mentioned this briefly, but the grief I experienced from losing a grandfather is 1000% completely different than the grief I have from losing a partner. And I think part of that was timing and knowing that my grandfather lived this very long, beautiful life before he passed. I also think knowing that my partner passed very suddenly with no chance to say goodbye also plays into a factor. So I would imagine certainly if you were someone who unfortunately lost your parent and then also lost a child, yes, I can imagine that the grief feels completely different because the people are different. Your relationships with them are different. Um, I can't imagine how it wouldn't be. Right. I love how you answered that. The next question is, what is the hardest part of grief? Oh my gosh. (laughs) So many parts, all the parts. Um, Mm -hmm. I think for me in the beginning, the hardest part was after I got over the shock of it and actually realizing that this was real, um, I think one of the hardest parts was just feeling so um, disconnected and feeling disconnected from myself and my old life. Um, I really felt like, and I've talked about this recently, like when my partner died, that version of myself also died. And some people who are going through grief, even if they've lost um, a parent or a child might feel that same way. You know, if you like for you, Michelle, losing a mom, um, it might feel like your identity as a daughter is gone in a way. Um, so we lose like parts of our own identity along with actually losing the person that we miss so much. So that was probably one of the hardest parts for me, which is why I spent so much time seeking ways to feel connected to him and to myself again, you know, trying to bring back pieces of my old life, um, in various aspects to make me feel closer to my old self. Yeah. I actually have a question from myself. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so I've been kind of going back and been forth in my own head. And you mentioned that I lost my mom. I've lost my mom when I was seven years old. And a part of me wonders and thinks because I was so young, it was almost easier. Like I couldn't imagine because I didn't really know what was going on still. And mm-hmm. I just wonder how different it would be, you know, if I was like 20 or like even like 18 years old and then losing my mom. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you think think, like age plays a factor in that of like having grief be harder or like, I guess it's, it's harder. It's hard. It's never easy. It's never, it's always sad, but um, yeah, Yeah, I I know. I know what you mean. Um, I feel like it's not even so much. Is it harder or easier? It's just different. Um, Like you losing a parent, um, your mother at seven, I have a close friend who lost her mom at 27. or I'm sorry, 24. And that, that experience I'm sure is just as traumatic as it was for you as a seven-year-old, but as a seven-year-old, you process loss and grief so differently than you do as an adult. Uh, I feel like you don't have quite, you might not have had quite the understanding of what truly was happening um, and what it meant for you and for the rest of your life. And 
you know, I'm sure it's, I mean, did you think about when you were a seven-year-old? Oh, my mother is not going to be here for my wedding day when I'm a grown adult. Um, whereas if you were in your twenties, that might be something that immediately crosses your mind and you'll grieve that experience. So it's just different. I wouldn't say one is harder than the other. I don't, I don't have the experience of losing someone so young like that. So I can't, um, give my own perspective, but I mean, how did you feel when you were seven? Um, I didn't really know what was going on, honestly. And, um, I remember my dad, well, I had a feeling, obviously something was happening. Um, cause my dad was like acting weird that day. And then, you know, he told us what happened. He sat us all down. I guess at seven, you have a lot of energy. So you're kind of just jump, jumping around the house and he sits you down and it's hard to stay still. And, um, he told us and I, I, I understood. And then like mm-hmm. an hour later, he sat us down again and, it's interesting because he told me like I asked him because I already understood what happened, but I just, the second time he sat us down and he, he told us again, okay, like you, you have to understand that, you know, um, God had, has another angel now and like your mama's passed and she's an angel now. And I just asked him like, did she pass away again? Because I understood that she passed away the first time. So I didn't know why he was sitting us down again. But that just goes to show that, like, I didn't know how that works. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wonder, too, if, like, in that moment, um, you getting the news the first time and then kind of, like, as a, you know, bubbly seven-year-old child going back to what you were doing, you might have thought, like, oh, I don't know if I explained that well enough. Like, let's do that a second time. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's confusing because when you're that little, no one talks to you about what death and dying really means. And now that you and I both have this perspective on it, it's probably something when we have our own families, it's something that's going to be more, you know, in conversation. It's not going to be something that's like taboo. We don't talk about um, because I think we need to talk about it. And um, I think it's important to be like very clear and direct with little children. I know my sister went through this with her children when their father passed, um, like being as clear as you can about what the situation is, even to say um, to a child like, oh, you know, mom or dad went to heaven or mom and dad aren't here anymore. They, I mean, what does that mean? You know, where did they go? You know, those are questions that a little kid will probably ask themselves. Right. That was actually my next question. It was for advice on like, I don't know if there's a right or wrong way to like let children know, because I think a lot of parents out there maybe don't know how to like talk to their children about it. I think it's important as much as you can based on your child's age um, and what their understanding might be, what their capacity to understand could be um, just being as clear and direct as you possibly can. With my older sister and her two children, you know, she tries to tell them very clearly, um, you know, even what happened to their dad, because they'll ask and he was an alcoholic and, you know, she'll explain, you know, daddy drank something that was bad for him and it made him very ill and he, he passed away, meaning, you know, he's, he's died and you almost have to use that word sometimes as a, as uncomfortable as it feels to come out of your mouth as a parent, um, you have to be very clear because I think there can be confusion on the child's end if they don't exactly know what he went to heaven meant or if they don't know what, you know, he passed away meant. These these statements that are kind of these overarching 
statements that we use as adults don't quite always make the same sense to children. Um, so I think it's a combination of, of course, having as much compassion as you can when telling and um, knowing that every child is going to have a different reaction. And then also being as clear and direct so that there's an understanding of what has happened. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's another question that says, how will I know what sign to look out for? And if I'm right, sign from my man. (laughs) Uh, How do I know what sign to look out for? Um, That's a great question. I find that in the beginning, um, if you haven't asked specifically for a a certain sign, which that is something you can do if those listening aren't aware of. Um, and that's something that Laura Lynn Jackson talks about in her book. If you're wondering, okay, you know, my loved one just passed, but what, what the heck is my sign? You know, what, what would they send me? I found that in the beginning, if I just, um, picked up something or looked at something or heard a song and immediately thought of my loved one out of nowhere, that was probably my sign. Seeing something, feeling something, hearing something, and then suddenly having them in your thoughts. I think that is your sign. I don't know if Michelle in, in your experience, do you have a different perspective? No, I, I agree with what you, what you say uh, when you're, you start thinking about the person out of nowhere, or if you might, you might see their birthday numbers like on a clock and mm-hmm. it reminds you that like that's their birthday or their favorite artist comes on the radio um, my mom connects a lot with me with Sarah McLaughlin music and something that my mom sends me specifically are ladybugs. One of the last birthday parties that I had when she was still living was a, a ladybug themed birthday party. And oh. she went crazy with like everything ladybug. Some people it's birds. Some people it's, you'll just start to notice a trend, I think, of like what yeah. comes to you and like when you start thinking about that person. Right. You could be like, oh, I've been seeing, um, you know, butterflies a lot. That's so interesting. You know, you'll see them in random places. Um, if the, the universe keeps showing it to you over and over and over, it's probably one of your signs. Um, I do recommend though, if you're just needing more clarity and really want like validation that a specific thing is for you, go ahead and just right off the bat, ask for something specific from your loved one. Um, and I actually, I have a meditation through my website. I'll send you the link to it, Michelle, so you can put it in the show notes um, for people to go ahead and connect in with their loved ones and ask them for a specific sign. Oh, okay. Perfect. Yeah, I will include that for everybody. And okay, so somebody also is asking, how do you become a grief coach? Yeah, so I feel like grief coaching is a fairly new concept. I really, maybe it's just my awareness of it is new, but um, in the last year, I've seen it um, growing a lot, at least through social media. I'm connected with a lot of um, women specifically who are also doing this work. And so I feel like in general, there's nothing quite like standardized yet. But one avenue, like if this is something that you feel called to, one avenue you can go through is getting something like a life coaching certification. Um, and sometimes certain organizations will have like an option to have like a grief coaching umbrella with that, or there'll be like one grief coaching course offered within a life coaching program. Um, But there's really not a lot out there available right now. I think the most important part of it for yourself is have you gone through a 
a grief experience yourself and how have you grown from it that you can provide a service to others and helping them? Um, I think that's something to consider. I mean, if you're listening to this and you are going through a grief journey, would you want to take advice from someone who has never experienced grief? Probably not. Um, and even it's just like if you were to work with a therapist, um, if I was going to go to therapy for grief, which I did briefly try, you know, I want to work with someone who knows what I'm going through, who knows what I've experienced. And so I think there's also an aspect of really trying to feel who, see who you feel connected with and making sure that they have actually experienced what you're experiencing. Um, you don't want to take directions from someone who's never been where you are going. Yeah. And that's another reason why, like, I love what you do. And I want to share you and have you on the podcast is you're right. There's not a lot of grief coaches out there. And I love how you kind of tapped into that and you are able to share with people of what you've been through and what helped you and just to help them move forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I'm I'm really happy that you asked me and that you're finally have this podcast out to the world because I know we talked about it for so long before it fully came to fruition. And so I'm just really glad that you're sharing in this space also. Yeah, thank you. I know it's been a while. We were we were talking about having you on a long time ago. So we finally yeah. have. Okay, the last question from the listeners um, on, Inst- on Instagram. Um, what's the worst thing that you could say to somebody that's going through grief? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and if there was, if there's anything that like somebody said to you that you remember, you're like, okay, that is what you don't say to somebody. Yeah. As someone who's losing a partner or has lost a partner, sorry. Um, I feel like probably one of the worst things that I heard was actually from um, people very, very close to me. So it's extra upsetting when it's from someone that you know and love. Um, but also keeping in mind that people don't know what to say, you know, someone had said to me, I remember talking to them on the phone shortly after my partner had passed and they said, oh my gosh, you know, he was so nice, but you'll find someone else. You know, little, little comments like that um, were really, really hard for me to hear, especially in the beginning, even though they're saying it with uh, this, uh, I guess they're trying to give me a little hope or, you know, look towards the future. But in when you're in that, you know, beginning stage, that's not what you need. So that was one of them. But I've I've heard people say a lot of different things. You know, it's the the standard like, oh, you'll move on, or when will you move on? Is a question I got too. I'm like, um, is there a clock ticking here? <laughs> like I am grieving at my own pace, and yeah, it it's really crazy the things that people will say. I think that people tend to want to say something rather than not say anything at all. But I don't think that they know of the impact that they have if they say the wrong thing. I would say like in the moment, go ahead and just let them know what would feel better to hear. You know, you can even say that really hurt my feelings. What would really help me is if you said this instead, you know, give them something concrete to know moving forward. Okay. This is the language I can use. Yeah. That's very helpful to let them know in that moment. That's all the questions from the listeners, but I do have a couple of rapid fire questions to finish okay. off. Okay. Go for it. What is your Zodiac sign, your sun and your rising? I am a Gemini sun and Aquarius rising. So we just had the full moon in Aquarius. So I am 
extra tuning into that energy right now. <laughs> oh, okay. And do, where's your moon? Um, I'm a cancer moon. Uh, if you could reincarnate as any animal, what would you choose? Oh my gosh. Um, I think I would reincarnate as a dolphin. <laughs> and I like, <laughs> yeah, I like to think I have dolphin energy. I don't know. <laughs> and I just love water so much and they just look like they're having so much fun. Mm-hmm. They really do. Yeah. What is the best prank you've ever played on somebody or that they played on you? Oh my gosh. Um, I feel like most of the pranks I've ever tried to play were when I was a kid. I remember one of them, I, for April Fool's the one year, I wanted to be creative and I was like, I'm going to play a joke on my family. Um, and so the night before, so this would have been, I guess, uh, March 30th, I took the gallon of milk from the fridge and put it in the freezer. And then but the next morning I got up really early before everyone else and I put the milk back in the fridge. So when everyone got up to pour their morning cereal with milk and they went to go pour their glass or their milk in their bowl, it was frozen solid. And I just thought as a little kid, I thought this was the best prank ever. <laughs> now now telling the story, it's really embarrassing. But back then I thought I was a genius. That's awesome. I haven't heard of that one before. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay would you choose a beach house or uh, a cabin in the woods oh beach house thousand percent what are two books that you would recommend to the listeners okay so um definitely signs by laura lynn jackson i already mentioned that one the second book one that really really i enjoyed um was i guess this more pertains to me and people have lost a partner um, but there's a book by uh, Nora McGurney. She is um, a widow. She has this really like popular TED talk. You'll see it all over YouTube. Um, it's called a young, hot young widows club. Uh, I really, really enjoyed that one just because it related so much to my story. Um, so those are two that I really, really enjoyed when I was moving through the beginning stages. What inspires you? Oh, so many things. Um, what inspires me? In life, I think in general, just um, the little moments where even like we were talked about earlier, going outside and seeing beautiful, majestic deer in my yard, like those little sweet moments of uh, delight is what inspires me to to get up in the morning and to just appreciate how beautiful this world is and how beautiful my life is. And what inspires me in my work truly is the messages that I receive from people who have either listened to the podcast or, you know, listened to a meditation that I put out, or they, maybe they read the book signs for my recommendation and they'll message me and let me know that, you know, they received the first sign ever from their loved one, or they had a dream about them last night. Um, those little moments of seeing people find connection with their loved ones again, like that lights me up and just, warns my heart that people are finding closeness with their loved ones and just helps them tune into joy again. What happened on your Instagram? You posted like, did you order one book that was called Signs, but then you got like 10 of them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, someone I know recently lost their um, their father 
So I had ordered him one copy of the book signs to gift him. And I received six copies in the mail. Like Amazon just sent me multiple, multiple orders. And I <laughs> and I was waiting to see if they were going to make me send them back. And they never did. So I just gave some away and I just keep them um, on hand now to give away to people. Oh, I love that. The universe was like, can you just pass these out for us? Yeah, exactly. Okay. What is your biggest fear? One of my biggest fears is now that I've experienced um, someone dying at such a young age, I think my biggest fear now is that I will also lose my life with before I get to finish the things that I came here to do. And I know that's so morbid, but um, it's truly that something runs through my mind. I'm like, is it almost my time? You know, I ask myself that all the time um, because I feel like there's so much more I want to do here. And now I truly know that, you know, any day, any moment could be my last. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I guess it's, I don't have a fear of dying per se, but a fear of dying before I'm ready, <laughs> I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, I hear you. I often think about that all the time, too. Yeah. Uh, and I also know that, like, you know, I won't be taken from this universe until I've completed all the things that I'm meant to do. So there's kind of that piece in knowing that, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. What is the last thing that you Googled? Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's look. <laughs> That's such a fun question. Um, Okay. Yeah, I love that one. I don't even know how to look. Okay. Let's see here. Um Okay, wait, how do you find the last thing that you googled? Just go on Google and then it yeah. should pop up, no? Um It's just showing me trending things. Hang on. Just off the top of my head, um, I think one of the last things I Googled, I think it was like, um, last night, my best friend and I, we were watching videos of cats with cucumbers. (laughs) Okay. And I know that sounds so crazy, but there's this whole like, there's this whole video thing that was going around for a while on YouTube of cats and what happens when you put a cucumber next to them like most cats are deathly afraid of cucumbers this is the thing okay and so I was showing her and we just like had the best time watching these videos on her couch and like laughing for a half hour wow okay I haven't seen those so I'll have to check it out yeah so anyone listening if you're looking for a good laugh just go on YouTube and look up cats and cucumbers I don't think I'm just thinking like would my dog freak out but I think he's fine he he, I think it's different with dogs no probably I don't know (laughs) um okay just two questions left um if you were on the bachelorette what would your limo entrance be oh my gosh um I think I would come out of the limo this is what I just saw in my mind's eye I'd come out of the limo and get on my longboard, which is a skateboard, and I would ride over to The Bachelor and introduce myself. Okay, I like it. Um, come and roll in with style. Was there, yeah. like, was there like a pickup line or anything you'd say or just kind of like introduce yourself? I don't even know. I'm sure. I'm sure I would have a really funny pickup line prepared. 
Yeah. What is your favorite crystal if you just had to pick one? Mm, my favorite crystal is my spirit quartz, which is like a mix between amethyst and regular quartz. I've never heard of that. Really? They're, they only sell them in like very small little pieces. Um, and unfortunately, they're quite expensive for some reason. But it's like my one crystal that I hold in my hand for literally everything when I'm working with clients, when I'm meditating. Like, I don't know what it is, but it just, I feel like it takes me deeper into meditation and helps me connect deeper also. Okay. I'm going to add that to my list of crystals to get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that question is because I'm I'm always like, I've never heard of that one before. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, you survived the rapid fire and you survived all the questions. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, where can people find you and including all of your social media handles and your podcasts? I think you have two podcasts now. Is that right? I do. Yeah. Um, so you can find me. I'm probably most active on Instagram at intuitively underscore Elise, A-L-Y-S-E is how you spell it. Um, and then I also have a website, just intuitivelyelise.com. And then my podcast is called Grief Awakening. That was my first podcast. That's so kind of, if you're interested in this conversation we had here today, you'll probably want to go there. Um, and then I also have a podcast with my best friend, Megan, called The Connection. And we also dive into some spirituality on that podcast also. Awesome. And is there anything else that you wanted to say or include before we wrap up? No, I just want to thank you, Michelle, so much for inviting me on. And I just love watching you and seeing you grow and um, show up on social media. And I love seeing you using your voice in this space also. I just think really amazing things are going to come from you. And I'm really excited to to watch and be a part of it. Oh, thanks for saying that. Um, I was more than happy to have you on and I is way overdue. So thank you so much. And I think a lot of listeners are going to really take a lot from this conversation. And hopefully we are going to be helping people going through. I, I know we're going to be helping people that are going through grief with this podcast episode. So yeah, thank you so much. Mm-hmm.